This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, so I want to continue a little with what I said with the kids about these backpacks. Now, there's an interesting thing. Uh, there is a, a lot of fun to be had when 21,000 people have backpacks. And you should ask people here uh, what you can do with a backpack when 21,000 people are walking down the street. So you do fun things like drop off that I never met Grace Lutheran Church in Iola, Kansas. But they found my backpack because at some point I didn't realize they snuck this in my backpack. Because that's what people do. And then you can Snapchat and know different things. I bring this up to share it with you. You don't always know the people God has watching over you. And it's a unique thing at the gathering, all these other things. So we also had the chance, uh, one of our leaders uh, had gotten pens for us. that just say, Jordan Lutheran Church. Uh, you'd be amazed how good some of our youth leaders. I'm just going to say it, Yvette, you were amazing. Just so you know, if you do not know, Yvette is a very skilled adult leader. She taught us all how to get these on while walking, moving on youth's backpacks. It's amazing. Uh, and then you'd see people who were there, and you'd watch the kid who didn't do it well, who'd turn around, like he you know, hit your backpack, and you'd turn, and he looks around, and you're like, uh, I guess I didn't see you do that. Now, I know that seems odd to bring that up at the front of a sermon, but I do it for this reason. Because there's a lot of times that you don't know that God's watching you. See, there at the gathering, you just realize, oh, there's someone kind of with you. There's other churches. We got these messages from kids we didn't know when you get back to your room at night and you'd realize, how did I get 14 of these in my bag? Am I that oblivious to what people are doing when I'm in a crowd? So there's a scary side to that maybe as well. Uh, but at least in this case, all I got was popsicle sticks and clothespins from Lutheran churches. So it was pretty safe and tame uh, when it comes to people actually getting into your bag. Now, as we go to the text in Nahum, it's not bags and clips and pens. It's a very serious uh, book that talks about the challenges of God's people. Two weeks ago, it was 790 B.C., and now we're sitting uh, at least 150, probably even 175 years later, and we're still talking about Nineveh. Now, 150 years ago, approximately, several things happened in our nation. You could pick a, a lot of different challenges. But on April 9, 1865, is the day that Ulysses S. Grant received a surrender from Robert E. Lee at Appomattox Courthouse, just a few hours north of us. Uh, and it starts the end uh, of, of the Civil War in our nation. Now, what's interesting about that event is I want you to just mentally consider the gap that you have between that event and today. So when you think about that, it answers the question, would anyone in the book of Nahum recall what happened under Jonah? Some of you really, really study the Civil War, and you got it, you got it all nailed, like you got it there. Others of you are like, well, I know there was such a thing. So when you think, would they recall what Jonah had said, some people would say, yes, and they'd probably be able to recite everything, and, and they'd share it with you. And others would say, my dad told me once there was a guy named Jonah. That's all I got. But realize, just as your distance from the Civil War, you probably would have been at least aware, whether you have a working knowledge. For example, what do the words to you, wilderness, Antietam, Bull Run, or Andersonville mean? For some of you, a lot. Uh, some are major battles. One's a prisoner of war camp. Others are like, 
I don't know, I think I was in the wilderness a little while ago. I walked in my woods. Uh, but remember, distance does odd things uh, with us in time. In the 150 years that passes from the preaching of Jonah to what happens under Nahum is a lot of people have done what? It's the worst thing we do. They just forget, completely forgot. They've moved on. Can you remember everything that you got last Christmas? I mean, probably if we're honest, no. Even though you were seemingly really happy last Christmas, and I'm not saying you weren't, but it is interesting how our mind moves on. So here we go. If you've got your Bible, open up. We're going to Nahum chapter 1. So if we step in there. Uh, Nahum chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. That's a weird place to start a sermon. Well, we, we're kind of bridging it off of Jonah, where the people had repented, and now we've stepped in 150 years later. This is not the same repentant people. They've fallen in a very dark place. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Join us on Sunday. <laughs> See, the cliche that I've heard many times over the Old Testament is the Old Testament is old, and I don't need it, because uh, I just need the new one. Then sometimes it goes even further. Uh, the cliche extends and says, well, the, the Old Testament is all law, and the New Testament is all gospel. It's all grace. Well, watch this. If we go to verse 3, it's not going to help the cliche. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in a whirlwind and a storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. That's one big God, if you don't have that image in your mind. The clouds are the dust of his feet. So if your picture of God wasn't so big that he is the clouds or just the dust that he beats up, then your picture of God is too small. Now, this still kind of fits the cliche, though, doesn't it? You're like, well, this doesn't seem good yet. I'm not real excited. I don't like this. This sounds like a God I'm not very interested in. Now, there's another piece that goes, how many of you have ever looked at the Old and New Testament and thought, well, kind of the Old Testament is like the bad guy, and the New Testament's like the good guy. You remember the cartoons when you had like the, the one shoulder and the other shoulder? Like, they don't do this. At least my kids' cartoons say they don't do this image anymore, so I don't... I guess maybe angels and devils, just we don't play that image anymore. But I remember many times as a kid, you'd kind of have, you know, Wiley e. Coyote would get two people and suggest what he should do and what he should buy from Acme this time to, to be able to get that roadrunner. But as he sat there, now you have this picture. The Old Testament is this bad guy and New Testament is good, but 150 years has passed. So what I want you to consider of the Old Testament, if you think the Old Testament's bad, 150 years of people doing terrible things, and God did what? Waited. Could you imagine saying terrible things to your parents for 150 years and your parents just sat there and took it? You may have like the most gracious mom and dad in life, but I'm going to assume somewhere at about 10 years of daily yelling at them, they're going to lose it. Or they're going to have someone else come in. They'll get a counselor for you. I mean, they'll find their way. So even if they can't do it, they'll find a way. Decade after decade after decade, and God waited. He held back what should have been coming to the people. He held it back, yet judgment comes by 612, Nineveh is destroyed. Uh, you actually have Assyria is wiped out by the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and the Medes. Now, how often in life, though, do we miss what God's actually doing? Meaning you're so worried about what's going to happen six months from now that you missed out that today's awesome. 
You're so upset that Assyria needs to get theirs. When's Nineveh going to get theirs, Lord? I mean, imagine that. You, you could, with the ages in this room, have spent your entire life with Assyria, cursing, sinning against God, and daily marauding and coming in to wipe out people in your church, or in this case, more than likely at that time, at the temple, and have all these issues, and you'd say, God's slow, because he should be here. To which all of that, God actually is there. Sometimes we forget the best things that are actually happening are right before us. Some of the best people in my life you will never, ever meet. It's an interesting thing. Probably some of the best people in your life I'll never get to meet. Here's a couple that come out for me, and it's just daily greatness. Miss Sterner, my kindergarten teacher. You will never meet Miss Sterner. Taught me a whole lot of stuff about how to cut out squares and shapes and have fun. Hazel Lopez, my first grade teacher, started piano lessons with me, taught me for five or six years, uh, and taught me just how to go about living life and spent a lot of days after school with her. You'll never meet her. Mr. Rooney taught me my first soccer coach. It's amazing what you learn in sports that has nothing to do with soccer. I learned that an older man could come out and hang out with me and other kids and that we were important to him. Daily greatness. Rooney was not the world's best soccer coach. He was one of the world's best role models. It's very interesting that we forget along the way, but as a kid, all I wanted to do was be an adult. And I missed out at that moment that God was doing great things. Nahum kind of looks at us and we're like, oh, you know, God's going to get in it. Great things still happened in that 150 years. Don't miss that. Don't miss that God was actually watching people. See, we lose sight of the fact that in the midst of what we want God doing, he's actually giving you things today that you need to be aware of, that you need to say, thank you, Lord, for today. That this day in August right now is actually good even though you might have five or six things on your list right now, you say, I'll prove to you otherwise. And I would echo back to you and say, I think you need to look a little more fully at today. Because I think if you actually look at today, you'd realize God's doing great things in your life. Doesn't mean you're not going through a challenge, but maybe you've met someone new who's helping you. Or maybe you've met a new doctor that you never knew of. Uh, or you've got someone else stepping in your life who's helped you in a way you could not imagine. So let's go to Hebrews 11. There's a reason why our second lesson had us in Hebrews. Because in Hebrews 11, as we have this challenge of Nahum and seeing the city come down, you wonder, what's God up to? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 is sometimes called this, this hall of faith. How is it that people got through life? And Hebrews 11, just by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1 to 3. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So how is it that we go about living our life? The same way that people would walk through life in Nahum's day is how you and I actually walk through life today, by faith. We trust that God is doing these things. And we get reinforcement because we have people who actually did miraculous things. By faith, Noah constructs an ark. You ever really consider that? Sight unseen, no rain falling. And you thought some of the business ventures you started, people told you you were crazy. He trusts God. By faith, Abraham obeys God, leaves his people, leaves his home. Sarah conceives a child by faith. 
Now, you've all had doctors tell you at some point, this is not possible. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not recall reading that book of the Bible, what Sarah experienced was, it was impossible. Uh, God makes things out of nothing. <laughs> Sarah's womb was a nothing, and he actually makes something. This is what God does frequently. We saw that many times through some of the other women as well, where God took nothing and makes things. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Do you get that? God made the world out of nothing. He spoke it. The God that we worship, that we praise, that we sing to in this place is bigger than any force you have ever experienced save God himself. That is who he is. He is the one that is capable of doing so much. Now, all these, it continues in verse 13. So we jump a little bit later. So we get kind of past the first portion of this hall of faith. Verse 13, all these died in faith. All the people named, they die in faith, trusting. What is faith? Trust in the promise. They die in faith, not having received the things promised. Now, that's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? They got something they didn't get at all but you guys all want everything when? I mean, now would be great. Honestly, when would you like it? There we go. A couple of you willing to say it. Yesterday, that's right. You're like, God's actually a little delinquent on what I'd really prayed for. I prayed for a Friday night deliverance, and it's Sunday, which is amusing, is it not? So if God were to give that to you before Monday morning, you'd still say God was what? Be honest. Come on. Late, slow, thank you. Right, I mean, come on, I asked for it on Friday. Well, he gave it to you before you got back to work. Everything resolved. Yeah, I know, but I had, to, I had to really, you know, I had to sweat out on Saturday. I know, but it resolved. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. It's a really cool picture of our life in Christ. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, this goes back, we've done small group studies on this as well, the idea of being in exile that you are actually an exile on the earth, that the world that we live in is not the way God intended it because it's corrupted with sin. So you live in this world waiting to see the restoration of things to come. Now you live knowing it's starting now. You're getting this light is starting to break through as we read the scriptures, as we understand the promises of what God did for us at the font, as we understand how God feeds us as he did last week at the Lord's Supper and will next week, God coming to us. Nahum, the very name itself means comforter, that God is our comforter. Now, I talked to the kids this morning as they came forward, and I mentioned that in the youth gathering, the whole theme was our real present God, based on Psalm 46. God is our help, our refuge, and our strength. This is Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. God is a place that you can go to when there's nowhere else to go. He knows those who take refuge in him. He actually is aware of you. You know those little moments that you just kind of will never forget in life? So one New Year's Eve, uh, kind of beating back all the odds, for whatever reason, I, I went to one of these, like, kind of big church rally kind of things. And it was, that's how I spent my New Year's Eve. And I can't tell you everything that happened there, but I can tell you something that struck me. The speaker made a comment that evening and said this. Where is it in your life that you are standing somewhere that you can stand there only because of Christ? Because in that moment, you will find your greatest strength. Because you are not there in your strength, you are there in his. 
And he was just trying to tell high schools, gathering high schools, that Christ has your back. That in life there are places to go. The weird part is that speech isn't just for high schoolers. <laughs> Turns out adults need it too. And high schoolers, I know some of you are here. It's for you. Please, I'm not trying to exclude you. Where is it that you are standing realizing you are only there in confidence because Christ got there first? That he created this refuge for you. That he made a place for you. Because Nahum's a pretty tough book. The whole city is wiped out. But in the midst of it, God was preparing a refuge for his people. The book continues in this way. It talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is Isaiah 52, verse 7 and following. Isaiah uses the same image. Paul will use this image in Romans 10 as he talks about blessed are those who bring the good news. The good news that God has you in the middle of the storm. Don't get hung up on Nahum going, there's a storm. Get excited to know that God built a shelter in the storm. Get excited to know God had umbrellas for everybody. God had a way for you to get out. God had prepared it all. You ever been there at the, the store and you didn't bring your umbrella in? And hopefully it's happened to you at one point in your life. And you had all your groceries and you're like, how will I get to my car? And some person you never see again just goes, can I walk you to your car? And you sit there going, that was really cool. And then somewhere in the back of your mind, you're like, I want to do that someday. And then every day that you think about it, you actually don't have your umbrella in your car to return the favor. But, you know, maybe you'll have the chance. Trust me, God's bigger than an umbrella. But I bring it to you to remind you, refuge. Be excited about what God's actually doing. Recounting the many blessings of what God's up to. In my life growing up, I never met my paternal grandfather. Never met him. He dies of a disease that had he actually probably told someone soon enough, the doctors even told him this, had you mentioned it, you would be living. Now, there's two ways I could look at this. I could say this is frustrating because I never met him. Or I could actually say, praise God for what he did in raising my father to be the man he was to raise me to be the son that I am. You see, there's so many ways we look at things. I could be frustrated and say I never got to meet the man. And he should have done this or that. Or I could say, God, thank you in your infinite wisdom. For whatever reason, you said I don't get to meet August John. Now, the human side of Mike Merker, I'd love to meet him. I would. I don't know why God did that, but I do know that what God did in spite of that event is miraculous. Part of reading Nahum and reading the Old Testament is realizing God's at work at all times, and you've got to realize that. That's why we can be bold to say exactly what Nahum said. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. God knows you. God knew every single one of the youth, teenagers, and high schoolers that all made their way out to Minneapolis, Minnesota. All 21,000 backpacks making their way around the road. And I pray that they recall that most of you will probably not sneak up behind them with clothespins and clip something on the back of their shirt. But you are the ark to them. You are a refuge for these high schoolers and college students. That they have a chance to realize that the refuge they have is here. Some days it feels like that, and some days church, <laughs> does church always feel like a refuge? You guys are so nice. Um, we're going to not answer that, Pastor. We're going to choose the silent answer there. No, it doesn't. It doesn't always feel good. Just like some of those days when they were waiting for Nineveh to seemingly be judged by God, the people had questions. 
you probably have questions someday. You know, I went to church and it, it didn't, I didn't feel so, you know, I didn't get all my emotional fuzzies, you know. I wanted those. Instead, I, I left church and I had different fuzzies and they were kind of negative and, and crass. And I thought them about, well, more than one person. And I'm not sure if I want to go back. To which I would say, remember why you came in the first place. The Lord is your refuge. The Lord is your strength. And he knows those who take refuge in him. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.